We were, uh, so, and still are, in a uh, strip mall in North Austin. But next door to us at the time was, uh, I forget the name of the business, but it was a Thai massage parlor. Mm-hmm. Was the the subheading of, you know, it was something, something, Thai massage parlor. Oh, I'm very familiar. <laughs> and turns out, it was, I believe it was human trafficking or something. Um, and there had been a sting operation there. And it was like my second week on the job, maybe my third. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting up front before we opened, 7 or 8 a.m. Um, it's just me up front. The lights are off. And I see, you know, our storefronts all glass in the front. And if I'm looking out the glass, the uh, Thai massage parlors to the right and over to the left, I see some guys start to stack up in like full battle rattle, SWAT mm-hmm. team, all black kit, MP5s, the works. And you're like, not like this. Not and like I, this. And I thought, what has Dave done? Welcome to another episode of the Sansar Shop podcast. We're going to try something new with these episodes. You can continue to listen on your favorite podcast platform or you can watch this episode and future episodes on our YouTube channel, simply called Silencer Shop. Now, let's get into it. This episode brings us to two long-tenured individuals from Silencer Shop. Mike and Tyler have seen the company change and evolve throughout its existence. They have done nearly every job that Silencer Shop needs to run on a day-to-day basis. From shipping and receiving, sales and marketing, to their live stream YouTube show called Awkward Silence, which is well-produced my own personal opinion. In this episode, you will hear the boys, spelled B-O-I-S, talk of law enforcement raids, the very first silencer shop kiosk, and their growing awkward silence show. So sit back, relax, grab that cup of coffee, and let's start this episode. And uh, pardon me, but uh, your voice is in the podcast, so we don't need to repeat the question. No, no. Yeah, yeah. so we'll just roll right into questions. Exactly, yeah. Um, should we do introductions? People know us at this point. Do they know uh, the sound I, the, of our the voices? The introduction will happen before, okay. like in my spiel that I give before each podcast, which you guys apparently don't effing listen to. I do. No, you Which don't. is why I know your voice is in the podcast, oh, okay. Ramon. Jeez Louise. This guy over here. Uh, the question was, uh, where were we before Silencer Shop? Yes. Uh, I had just gotten out of the military in February of 2014. I being Tyler, for the audio listeners at home. Um... And got out and was going back to school for master's. And uh, turns out I needed a summer job in the meantime. And got a job working at the gun bar at Academy. Sports and Outdoors. Academy.com. Shout out. <laughs> the right stuff, the right price. Yeah. And from there, I met a gunsmith who also worked at Academy. AJ from Blackjack Gunsmithing. I got to working with him and doing two jobs. Academy and Blackjack. And then I met who I thought was the owner. He was introduced to me as the owner of Silencer Shop. He was not. Uh, and then got a job at Silencer Shop, and the rest is history. Never went back to school. Hmm. Mike? Here I am. What were you doing before Silencer Shop, and what year? Uh, well, right before Silencer Shop, I guess it would be like 2011, 2012, 2013. I used to... Uh, uh, I have a small company. I used to uh, deal ammunition basically uh, uh, on the internet uh, by auction. Um, things were actually going pretty well until uh, Sandy Hook and, and some of that stuff. Some of you guys may remember, you know, back then uh, the ammo market just went crazy. And like for a little while, it was pretty good, um, you know, because business was nuts. But Crazy then, in that people were buying a lot of ammunition. Yes. Okay. And for higher than average prices oh. um but the <laughs> but the problem though with that is you know you, you have to start increasing your prices because uh, the supply dwindles and you have to you know make up for that lost income so that's you know it's basically supply and demand so you know as ammunition distributors and and uh, the mill syrup market and stuff dried up started having to, to having to get into more obscure stuff not super obscure, but like six five Grendel, like three oh three, things like that, like things that weren't just evaporating. Instantly. I love how six five Grendel is in the same boat as three oh three British. Well, I just mean it's not five five six, yeah, or, you yeah. know, nine millimeter or whatever. Obscure. So, kind of scraped by on that for a while, and then, um, uh, you know, wasn't doing so well, and I started looking around at, you know, some different firearm jobs, you know, something that I could kind of be 
you know, passionate about. And um, I wound up applying for a, um, a compliance role at Silencer Shop, uh, which I did not get. It was uh, Gary, the COO at the time, replied almost right away saying, uh, unfortunately, this position has already been filled, but we'll keep it on, you know, your resume and file and so on, which, of course, whatever. You know, people always say that and they, they never. They always say that. Yeah, it's who always filled yes. your Who filled your role? Uh, it was Katie. Sorry. Um, so anyway, yeah, like six months uh, out of the blue, uh, Gary just e- emails me and said, hey, we have this position. Um, you know, it's basically an inventory. And uh, <laughs> do you want it? And I was like, uh, I don't know, maybe. You know, so we had me come in and we sort of discussed what it was and it'd be sort of a, a receiving slash billing slash reporting role. It was kind of, you have to understand back then the company was much smaller, you know, yeah. so everybody had to do a lot of different things. So do you, do you feel like you got duped? Uh, no, not really. 100% I mean, <laughs> he got duped. No, I mean, I, I knew was, what I was. I was I in the was hiring getting, meeting. Oh, okay. I knew what I was getting into. And it was like, yeah, I mean, I was hired on the spot. I mean, the interview was five minutes and then he, Gary was, you could always tell when you're going to get hired because Gary would give you the, the tour, you know, show you the vault and everything. Um, if you didn't like it, you pretty much were shown the door. Yep. So um, thanks. Yeah, we'll call you. That was late. Uh, that was like December 2014. Uh, it was not that long before Christmas. I think it was like a week before Christmas. Not to interrupt you, but I just realized I'm the only one doing the bit that we were going to do and wearing headphones. Oh. Because <laughs> we were going to make it like a funny... Well, I, these I can't in. hear with these on. These There's no audio hooked up to it. Are, are they noise-canceling headphones? Well, no. I mean, they're just... Oh, wait. They're maybe. active oh, noise-canceling, okay. but they're not turned on. Oh, well. But I'm, I'm ditching it. Was nice yeah, we were going to put headphones on and make us look more professional yeah, and I'll always be readjusting your microphone yeah like all the podcasters do and um, some always, of these knobs do yeah if you had to guess how many jobs have you held throughout the uh your time here at silencer shop you want to take this one first <laughs> oh geez it's it's difficult to say because a lot of the stuff i used to do has been broken up and you know because back in the day like i was saying uh doing like receiving uh, doing all the, the QuickBooks stuff, um, you know, managing the inventory in the vault and then doing reporting. And, you know, these were all jobs now that have been divvied up amongst different people. So, you know, those were those uh, like four different things. Um, also did uh, social media uh, for quite a while, you know, went to marketing. And um, right now I'm in dealer sales. So there's that. Um, shoot, I know I'm forgetting oh well all the kiosk stuff too mm-hmm. um i mean that was a big part of our which will 2016 2017 later, years so later. Was, yeah as kiosk deployment and all that kind of stuff so yeah shoot i don't know at least a half dozen different jobs basically yeah i um I'm not trying to be coy or anything it's just a difficult question to answer yeah yeah it is um i've been here for a long time i've seen a lot of change um and i think i've again not trying to be a jerk in answering this question but i think i've done pretty much everything at the shop i can't think of a job at shop well that that's pretentious i know i realize that it's well, why it's I, kind of a I difficult f- question to answer when i started you were sort of in compliance slash sales i think when you started i was running silencer shop direct which was the precursor to powered by silencer shop right um where we weren't a distributor we were a dealer and we were using partner dealers mm-hmm. to do transfers and we would pay their transfer fee basically um and i ran that with katie who ran our regular compliance for texas sales but before that, I mean, it, I worked the counter, I worked the phones, I worked emails, shipping, yeah. receiving, acquisitions, Entry-level compliance. Kind of stuff, yeah. yeah. I think I've done it all. Who interviewed you, Tyler? <laughs> um, our former sales manager uh, was the guy that, um, that did most of the onboarding. Anything memorable about the interview? Were you nervous? Scared? No. Were you hammered? I'm not. Were you uh, hammered? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not easily uh, intimidated, maybe is the word. It was good. I mean, uh, <laughs> they were interesting guys. Look at that. Stone cold. I was interested. Uh, it, at the time, 2014, Silencer Shop had a very uh, kind of cool guy, gun guy reputation in Austin. Like, if you were a gun guy in Austin, you knew Silencer Shop, and those guys were on top of it. Like, they did something nobody else in the country did. Um, and it was a... I was excited. I guess more than intimidated or scared or anything. Yeah. Interesting times before we became a distributor. Um, you know, we were the biggest dealer in the country by a, a pretty big margin. And, uh, I remember how crazy it was when I first started, you know, I would get there whenever, like I, the phone keys open at nine, the doors open at uh, nine as well. And I would get there at eight or whatever it was. And it would literally be 
just a line of pickup trucks just in the parking lot, people sitting, you know, waiting to, to pick up. Um, you know, these are people uh, ready to pick up their stamps and their silencers, and there would be a line, just 50 people, you know, just waiting for like sometimes hours because they would drive from, you know, Amarillo, Houston, wherever, all over the state basically yeah. um, to do business at Silencer Shop. And, you know, if you're driving from six hours away, sometimes, oh, shoot, you get there an hour early. They would just and, sit there and wait. And what year is this? Uh, this would have been, like, early 2015, late 2014, yeah. like, that, when I started. Though that happened through probably 2016. Up until, yeah, up until we became a distributor. That was the norm. Yeah. And Saturdays were bonkers. Saturdays were big. Um, Saturdays were Disposition nuts. days. And, uh, yeah, it would just be... I remember in the summer, it would just smell so bad up front because there would be... Like 50 sweaty dudes up front for hours all day long. And, you know, dogs and all kinds of stuff. God, and then the crickets would come so in, right? Bad. What's that? The crickets would come in. Yeah. We had oh, the, yeah. the Texas Hill Country cricket plague every year. Mm-hmm. That was always fun. Did it happen yeah. last year? Yeah. It did? Oh. It was a little more subdued last year, but yeah. We had a weird weather year last year. Um, the title of this video is something to the effect of Awkward Silence behind the scenes or something we're right getting, we're, we're, we're so I, I don't think there. we could do this without a little bit of Ramon too Oh, mm, Ramon yeah, give us no. a little backstory. Uh you have kind of an interesting origin story with us yes I do What's he, that? Was, he wasn't ready for this I was not ready um, how, did, how did you get hooked up with us I remember the first day we showed up to the range because you guys reached out you wanted to grow your YouTube channel you needed some video work done and my boss was a big hunter at the time and I think he found us through like a, uh, a hunting video we did for some ranch or maybe it was a Dallas Cowboy video or something like that. Anyways, um, he found us and I remember at the time walking into the gun range, I go, oh, they're just, they're sound metering these tubes at the end of rifles. And we were on the quarry for your first. No, no, no. We, we were, were at Best of the West. Yes. Yeah. yeah best yeah, of the yeah, West. Yeah. And we had to sign R. in R. and we had to do all that stuff. F for respect. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it came to... I mean, as we built a relationship, it came to like you were hiring us pretty regularly. And at the time, I was kind of sick of filming weddings every weekend. It sucks. You have to give up your wedding. I mean, you have to give up your weekends every weekend. You have to give up your weekends and every it, weekends. That was a little Freudian. You also had to give up your wedding. Yeah. You'd been to so many. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of um, jaded you. Yeah. It was. And creatively, it, it was, yeah, it was numbing. But um, finally, I just wanted to have a regular nine to five and. Um, I think I talked to you, Tyler. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, you guys are hiring us a lot. You guys you had talked to Well, me. you had watched the Dolly Parton movie 9 to 5, and you're <laughs> just like, you know, there's you, something there. You and uh, the previous company, that when you were still contracting with mm-hmm. us, was 2015, 2016, mm-hmm. somewhere in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had talked to me about a full-time position, kind of like joking in passing, but I could tell you was kind of serious also. Yeah. And it was years, maybe at least a year. Before I got up the gumption and convinced Gary and Dave, at the time we had already, Elliot was already on board when yeah. we hired you full time. Yeah, in 2018. Yeah. And to be honest with you, Elliot was probably the actual deciding voice. The he, he was director of marketing well. at the yeah. time, right? Um, and to have someone in that role finally say yes, that would absolutely be beneficial to have a full time videographer. Yeah. And then you, what year was that? You that started. was uh, heads up. Well, that wasn't awkward at all. <laughs> it's the name of the game, Ramon. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the show, Ramon. Hey, uh, fiddle with your microphone while uh, he's fixing that. You got to make sure. It's your shoddy project- production yeah. design. Pretend like you actually know. We're, uh, we get levels. Out. Levels. Uh, 2018 <laughs> is when they signed me on. Now I got to watch my back. Um, 2018 Best is when watch they your s- back. signed me on. Um, so it was about a year because at that point I was putting in applications for jobs that I wasn't even qualified for. I just want to get out of it and kind of mm. do the wedding gig on the side whenever I wanted to. Um, so my first day that I remember showing up and walking in, I was really nervous because I don't know, Dave, for whatever reason to me, he's such an intimidating guy. He's super nice, but just his knowledge and he's just a brilliant man. Um, but walking in, I remember getting the most shoddy laptop um <laughs> at my desk <laughs> it was like circa 97 i mean ibm thinkpad yeah. yeah with one of the you know the little uh the pencil orange, eraser things yeah pencil yeah. eraser mouse in the middle right <laughs> also that i will go on record that ibm thinkpad was a joke because your laptop was on order it just wasn't here yeah yet. it wasn't here yet 
Great we thought it'd be guys. funny to give you an old. Yeah, I know. It was hilarious. Dinosaur laptop. Um, so that was <laughs> my was. first kind of <laughs> I got a good memory out. working at Silencer Shop. Tyler, there was a very interesting story that you told us about working in the front of the shop and having um, some law enforcement agents. Um, oh, goodness. Kinda, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, pay a visit to the, the we were next uh, door. So, and still are in a uh, strip mall in North Austin and you can Google it. I'm not going to tell you where it is. Um, but next door to us at the time was, uh, I forget the name of the business, but it was a Thai massage parlor mm-hmm. was the, the subheading of, you know, it was something, something Thai massage. Parlor. Well, I'm very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out it was, I believe it was human trafficking or something. Um, and there'd been a sting operation there. Um, it was DEA, Austin SWAT, FBI, and s- some other alphabet agency, I forget. Um, and it was like my second week on the job, maybe my third. So I was sitting up front before we opened, 7 or 8 a.m. Um, it's just me up front, the lights are off, and I see, you know, our storefront's all glass in the front. And if I'm looking out the glass, the uh, Thai massage parlor's to the right, and over to the left, I see some guys start to stack up in like full battle rattle SWAT mm-hmm. team, all black kit, MP5s, the works. And you're like, not like this, <laughs> not and like I, this. I immediately <laughs> thought to myself, and I'd, I'd been working for a couple of months um, in firearms, um, you know, both at Academy and at, uh, the, gun, at the uh, Gunsmith. And so I kind of had an idea of, you know, ATF and the rules and regulations of owning an FFL. But that was all still kind of new to me. And I thought, what has Dave done? We're about to get <laughs> raided. And this isn't soft knock. Like, this is hard knock. They're coming in here, flashbangs, and I'm going down. And I may or may not have checked my sidearm. I may or may not have made sure it was clear in the holster. Um, and these guys are stacking up, and they start running. It's 10 or 15 of them. Pardon the noise, active construction site. 10 or 15 of them stacked up and they start running past the store and I think, all right, this is the end. This is how it goes down. I'm going down in a blaze of glory as a civilian. Like, I made it through, but this is how it ends. And uh, they keep going. They're past the front door. And the last guy in the stack catches out of the corner of his eye our, you know, display wall with all the guns and silencers and stuff on it. And you see the look in his eye and he does the double take and, oh, that's cool. And I saw him mouth, that's cool, as he's running by. And they uh, ran in there and wrapped everybody up. Ramon, edit that down, please. Yeah, please. <laughs> Cut that down to about 30 seconds. Mike, any uh, stories like that that you can <laughs> recall? About alphabet raids? No, uh, not <laughs> No, that. I don't think so. <laughs> about human trafficking? Very few. Okay. <laughs> very, very few. Less than 10. Says. Let's talk very briefly about the kiosk and how you had to assemble them. Weren't oh. you the original Mike IT? and Tyler? Yeah. The original 300. Yeah. You were the first. Uh, well, I mean, a I'll Spartacus say. Spartacus reference in here somewhere. <laughs> Probably, yeah. The Battle of I Thermopylae. I never thought about that before. Thermopylae. Uh, Thermopylae. It's a dead language. Who knows? The, uh, well, Thermopylae. I'll say that the first thing was, so the Obama announcement of 41, you know, P, you know, what they call it at the time. Um, of course, we were all like, Oh no, you know, and everyone's just kind of speculating and literally I want to say like the next Monday, it had only been a handful of days, um, Dave brought us in the tiny meeting room and there was only like five of us in there and Dave just kind of laid it out, here's what we're going to do, we're going to have these kiosks, it'll be a nationwide network, it's going to take fingerprints, everything that they do now, you know, he had pretty much planned in one weekend and uh, we got six months to do it and because this is in early January and then of course... uh, 41F would be enacted, was it June 16th, something like that, mm-hmm. um, 2016. And uh, so we got six months to get, you know, to kind of plan everything out, how we're going to do it, who's going to do what, get the software working, get everything tested. Because the other thing, too, is that uh, everything has to be sent to the FBI for inspection, like full stack inspection. And uh, the software, the printers, the scanners, um, the, the kiosks, the fingerprint scanners, everything has to be ready to go and deployed in six months. Uh, Really five months, I guess. Mm-hmm. A little more than five months. And uh, it was just like, 
okay, well, <laughs> you know, how can I help? You know, and, and so we kind of divvied some stuff up. Uh, initially, I was um, kind of tasked with creating the kiosk image, which would be uh, the operating system as well as, you know, how we we're going to be able to remote into these things and repair them and install software. And you had some software. sort of background in... Uh yeah, Mike's a bit of a computer nerd. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, I'd worked at a, a couple major tech companies okay. for almost 10 years before the uh, the ammo company. Did you earlier. let Dave know that, or was that... Oh, already? he already knew oh, that. Yeah. Already knew that. Yeah, okay. I mean, from it. day one, I, I was already doing uh, database That work. was on your resume, I assume, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Got it. Um, yeah, I, I have a pretty heavy background in database stuff, especially in some IT, but... So, totally you know, why we hired him. <laughs> kind of was, yeah. But... Uh, yeah, so just started putting that stuff together, head down, and uh, trying to figure all that out. How are we going to be able to remote into these things? And, you know, Dave was, jeez, I mean, 100 hours a week. Like, I was working for literally months. Like, yeah, he never saw daylight. Conservative. It was more than that. Yeah, probably. I mean, he was spending the night at the office, um, you know, for months on end. It was uh, pretty brutal. It was a lot of hours. It's a brutal year. Mm -hmm. And so um, you assemble the kiosk, and you start shipping them out. Mm -hmm. Then you have to do tech support for these guys right mm -hmm. well it'd be even before tech support we had to get them installed and mike was maybe a little generous in, in uh saying we had it all planned out well um yeah we we, we ship 300 kiosks sort of. also if you don't uh for those of you not paying attention at home if you go to our blog and uh, look up atf 41f is not the end there's a picture of a zombie with a kiosk shooting a laser through its heart and i got s <laughs> i drew that picture and i got so much flack for shooting a zombie through the heart and not through the head oh jeez, yeah yeah that's on you. Is it? Whatever. It's, it's my imagination. Zombies in my imagination die when you shoot them in the heart. What do you know? You don't have a laser. I anyway. mean, there's years of cinema that proves you wrong. Whatever. Mm. Um, Proof is in the pudding. <laughs> where was I going with this? Oh, uh, so the original 300. What is 300 Let's pretend like we're on an episode of... It was a, a, change yeah. in, a change in regulation, <laughs> basically, that required every NFA transfer in the country to require fingerprints submissions. Which before that, if you registered through a trust or corporation, you didn't need to do fingerprints. There's, I'm oversimplifying it, but for us, that's what it boiled down to. Isn't us that to our entire business. business model, simplifying it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, for us to continue doing business, we had to be able to very easily collect fingerprints from customers. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was the boiled down goal of the kiosk. And the original concept was we had Silencer Shop Direct at the time. Maybe we had started Powered By, but it was still young. Regardless, we took 300 dealers, our top 300, um, but also our top 300 geographically. So our top 300 dealers, the vast majority of them are in Texas. Yeah, Texas is a big NFA state. There's a bunch in Florida. There's a bunch in Georgia. Um, but we took the top 300 spread evenly across the country because we needed to spread the kiosks, and we gave them kiosks. So we paid for the first 300 kiosks, front of the bill, and sent them out there. Um, and that was really the focus was who we're going to give these to, how in the world is this going to work, how are we going to store and compile all this, how is mm -hmm. the new ATF submission process going to work. And it was sort of an afterthought of, all right, when we get all this figured out, we'll figure out how to get them in the store. That's the easy part, right? We'll figure out how to get them set up. Hey, Mike, will you look into some kind of uh, virtual machine being able to log into these remotely kind of thing? Mm -hmm. And it was a very much a we'll figure it out when we get there sort of mentality we did some not you know knocking us or anything but the focus was getting them to work yeah getting them deployed was an afterthought um and yeah, so the dave really there was us. a lot on on dave's shoulders as far as getting the software to work because it was a unbelievable load of work and, and he was responsible for most of it we did have a couple of the developers uh, at the time who are no longer with us uh well i don't mean that they're dead but you know what i mean I know it sounds a shop, um, but yeah, Dave definitely did most of the work um, as far as that goes. And, you know, that was the other thing down to the wire. It's like we had even all these chassis, we had the computers, and it was like literally the last day was like the last image of that software, um, you know, to, to send out and get all these kiosks imaged and then get them shipped out the door, um, work until the last second of the last day. Yeah. And still continuing to do some work yes. even as we shipped the first couple mm -hmm. dozen even as we, we were still started shipping them we started <laughs> mailing out usb keys with the newest version yeah. on there and stuff i mean it was it was uh yeah good times and then came uh about a year of tech support after that supporting getting all these things running and you know the first couple uh, versions of the software were, were pretty rough it mostly ran pretty well but there's 
it took a long time to get some of those bugs out. For sure. And uh, thank you to all you dealers that got those first 300 and the, all of those, uh, that first wave of customers that used them, you know, for, for putting up with some of the rough edges there. Yep. Was that one of the first signs that you saw Silencer Shop kind of growing as a company? Or were there signs before that moment, before 41F? Well, we had become a distributor before that. I, I would say that's the first major thing um, is, is the step to uh, becoming a distributor, which was, it's a hard transition, um, you know, because as a dealer, you've got competitors, right? Especially in the area locally. Um, when you become a distributor, now you're trying to get a bunch of people that used to be competitors to buy from you. And that's a hard pill for a lot of companies to swallow. And um, we were making more margin, you know, per sale as a dealer. So to suddenly kind of turn that off. Um, to make it up in volume. Yeah, exactly. To make it up in volume, it's a big step. It's a lot more overhead. It's a lot more work. But the potential, obviously, is much bigger because now it's the whole country, you know, sands a few states. Sure. Um yeah, so that was an interesting transition. Mm-hmm. And then 41F came right after that. So it was just like boom, boom, you know, uh, one thing after the other. It was a crazy year and a half or so. Someone got the idea to start doing a live segment on Instagram. Who came up with that, that yeah, idea? I'll take the blame on that. You son of a... I do remember getting a call of like how uh, you asked me how to, how should I adapt this microphone to the cell phone? To the cell phone. And then I told yeah. you about that little d- <laughs> duty. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Shout out. Yep. To the first few episodes are pretty rough. Fantastic it's literally device. just like a cell phone just recording on the cell it phone was, microphone. It was just me in the vault. And the yeah. original concept of it was um, this is true in any sort of hobby slash retail um, environment. Um, people who don't no, they aren't initiated into the culture of guns, let alone silencers in the NFA. I need an education on it. And uh, we get the same question day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Constantly. Our phones oh, do we? ring. I, I hadn't noticed. Constantly throughout the day. What's We've the got best a silencer? Bunch of sales guys. And it's basically how do I buy a silencer and what's the best silencer? Um, and so. Anything I've ever done in the digital marketing space for Silencer Shop has always been in an effort to answer one of those questions, realizing that that's only going to reach a small portion of the population, um, but at least those people don't have to call anymore um, mm-hmm. or sit on hold or wait for an email to come back or whatever it is. So that was the original impetus of Instagram Live, and then the thought was, well, we can grow up from there. and answer some burning silencer questions, you know, monocore versus baffle stack and taper mount versus QD system versus direct thread, you know, all those kind of blog posty uh, topics we've covered in the past. We started to become a lot more organized. I remember like we started putting out questionnaires um, and then kind of reviewing them before the episode so we would know the answers kind of going in. Well, the, the idea behind that wasn't where I was going with this is we had a topic and by mm-hmm. we, I mean, I mean me. Uh, had a topic at the top of the show because we knew it, it hadn't taken off yet. But we do have a regular stream of questions. The, the concern was we'd get on Instagram live and not have anything to say because nobody was watching it. There's, mm-hmm. There wouldn't be any questions to answer. So we'd come up with some pretense topic to cover until questions started flowing in and then also pre-recording, pre-fielding some questions prior mm-hmm. to that was the basic idea of it. I'm not saying it ever worked. I don't know if it <laughs> does now. You're listening to this, so gotcha. <laughs> you saw on the time Instagram Live was all the rage. Everybody was doing it. All the kids were doing it. And it was bad. <laughs> the audio it's was bad. Terrible, yeah. If the camera was handheld, it was shaky or it was set up on, like, a book propped up on a table. And yeah, when it first started, correctly. it was just you in front of the camera, and I was trying to do everything else with zero experience <laughs> and, you know, audio or video production. So, you know, just trying to wing it. Instagram never really allowed, at the time, never really allowed that level of production that I wanted. Mm-hmm. So the goal, the, the hope, the dream was always to do YouTube yeah. and get 1920 by 1080 horizontal video, yeah, multiple camera angles, microphone, switcher board, all that stuff. Which was a pain in the A. Yeah, um, when Ramon came on, it was a quantum leap in, in production value because not only did he bring to table his, his stuff, you know, he also figured out all the YouTube stuff, took a lot of that off your plate as far as like having to do all the lighting by yourself. And you guys were able to work together on that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, overnight it, it got a lot better. 
So I can't remember, but we did a, uh, I don't know, maybe let's call it 15, 20 episodes. And then the, the term awkward silence. Okay. How did that come to be? Who, who brought it up? Is it, I want to say it was John Donapria. I could be wrong. Mm. I shouldn't have said that name. I thought it was Tim. Maybe uh, Tim. One uh, of our viewers. Yeah. You can say the usernames. Preferably. Please pardon me. That is his username. I'll, yeah. I'll double back and try to figure it out. Yeah. And make Whoever sure it was, sorry proper. for not remembering your name, yeah. but it was a, a viewer. What's going on, guys? And welcome to our second ever official installment of Awkward Silence. Yes, I guess that's what we're calling it. No, I have to say Awkward Silence, and then there's an Awkward Silence, Mike. Oh. I'll try again. Okay. Welcome again. to the second official episode of Awkward Silence. Um, big, anyway. big shout out to Tim Donahue from YouTube who gave us the uh, idea to call this show Awkward Silence. Yeah, um, we'll he, have to send him something. He referenced our stellar dad jokes. And stellar probably isn't the word that he used, but it's the word I'm using. Insert name here. <laughs> uh, recommendation. We had, called, we had called out and asked mm -hmm. hey, which we call this show because it, it had become, granted, when I say a success, I mean, we had like 30 or 40 viewers right. at a time. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't a lot of people, but it was but, 30 or 40 people that weren't on the phones. And they were solid viewers. They're continuous viewers. And some of them have been with, with us since the start. Yeah. yeah. Big shout out to you guys. Um, you know who you are. Yeah, so that was, I mean, we got a bunch of suggestions. Most of them were, you know, jokey or whatever, but uh, that one kind of stuck. It was kind of funny. It was simple. Um, we're quirky and dumb people. Yeah. And we have a quirky and dumb sense of humor. And that really, uh, it struck a chord with me. It was very... Yeah, I'll say one thing. Uh, Tyler and I... You're only going to say one thing? That's a lie. Don't lie to me. I'm going to yeah. say one thing right now, and then I'll say other stuff after. Please. Um, Tyler and I worked side by side for probably five or six years and developed um, sort of in parallel just a weird sense of humor and it was just a lot of like in jokes and stuff like that so it was sort Sitting of a natural in catty corner cubicles <clears throat> so you were the easiest person for me to lean out and tell a joke to yeah exactly so we years. had sort of developed that rapport so it was a natural fit for us to sort of do it together um do you think and a lot of people probably don't understand our humor and that's fine do you think it's because i mean there were some not so fun times in developing those kiosks you kind of have to make light of a lot of situations that really dare i say suck yeah. Um, so I think it's because of those moments of suck that you guys develop this banter. Sure. Yeah. That and that's sense. where I think the magic in the show lies. It's just because there is something that is hilarious yet interesting that I've, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a gun guy or I'm not a silencer Despite guy. Despite our best efforts. For I know. I know. You guys remote. really try to lay it on, but the, the, what lures me in is just the banter and the way you guys tend to just make things appealing and honestly open to it for anyone to come in, ask a question, and then, you know, share a, a laugh. That's I'm uncomfortable with this level of emotion right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Um, well, one thing that we share, too, is roles as educators, you know. Um, you know, you me got, being... You got deep there, man. I know. I mean, me being in, you know... In control of the the social media stuff for so long, and and talking on the phone, uh, you know, for endless hours with dealers when we were setting up all the kiosk stuff, all that troubleshooting, and YouTube did the same exact yep. thing, and then plus your sales experience on the phone, you know, it all kinds of uh, all kind of added up and came to a head there. Which you beautifully segued into my next question: is is that the way you garnered all your knowledge about silencers and NFA history and all that stuff? Or do you rely on your background um, from selling ammunition and gun gun stuff? Well, I I mean I've been into guns, you know, pretty much my whole life. It you know Got comes it. from my, my okay. parents, uh, my dad, uh, uncles. We used to go hunting when I was a kid, mostly uh, a lot of fowl. It was like in Louisiana, and then you know I lived in Indiana for a while, where there's a lot of geese and stuff. So it kind of came from there, you know. And I, by the time I was a teenager, or you know thereabouts um started getting more into uh, rifles handguns that kind of thing and so i've just been kind of learning all that stuff all along now as far as nfa goes i didn't really know a ton about it i did have i did buy one silencer before i started at silencer shop um aac tyrant uh nine in case anyone was wondering the original one f for respect r.i.p great cam by the way uh still still, still use it all one the of time. my favorites yeah i still use it to this day and uh 
you know, and I applied here and everything else basically had to learn on the fly. And, you know, I'll tell you, and, and I've, I've said this to a lot of our sales guys, anyone that's new, that's starting, whenever we have an event or like an employee day or something like that, where a bunch of us go to the range, go out there. And this applies to all of you too, you know, at home that might be listening. You know, if you're looking to learn more about these things, try to get to an event, get your hands on the things because I learned more in like two hours of working an event than I did six months behind uh, behind a computer screen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? For it's sure. like really once you get your hands on, you understand how all the mounts work, getting all these together, it all just kind of, if you have some background in, in firearms, it's not that hard to learn silencers. You know, silencers is the easy part. So you learned uh, your first exposure was probably the Marines, I would guess, at least as far as NFA. As far as, yeah, silencers go. Mm-hmm. I mean, they weren't NFA while I was. Well, so you know what I mean. Yeah. And um, just the same with you, you having hands-on experience and going out to the range, testing them. Yeah, I mean, I've always been uh, a firearm enthusiast, but uh, up until early adulthood, like, I knew the difference between a Remington 700 and a Remington 870, a shotgun and a bolt action. I mean, who mm-hmm. doesn't? Um, but I couldn't have told you the OD on a SCAR 17 shoulder. Yeah. Like, I didn't know that kind of stuff or the difference in the action, a uh, Bushmaster ACR and a SCAR, you know, I didn't know. Yeah, I've heard so stuff. many times, like, when people first start at Soundster Shop, they think they know so much about guns, and you realize you know literally nothing. Yeah. You know, the people that have worked there for just a couple of years are able to run laps around you because it's the difference between being a hobby when you're at home and reading, uh, uh, you know, Truth About Guns or whatever blog a couple times a week and going out and shooting at the range with a couple of buddies to then going to a job where you're totally drenched and immersed in it all day long, every single day, you and, know? Yeah, and having to answer technical questions like, will this silencer work on this mm-hmm. gun? And you've never heard of that gun, and you don't know if that silencer works on that, and you got to figure out if it does or it doesn't. Yeah, every answer that we've given on the show, at some point we didn't know the answer to and had to look it up. You know, I mean, that it kind of goes to show you how much... Or how in, in many cases, especially early on, like silencers were such a, and they still kind of are, such a niche, like, kind of backwoods of the internet... Uh, kind That's of niche. Actually. You have you have to do a lot of digging to niche. find your, um, I guess, any information on it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's no like, for a long Google. time, and I would still argue maybe this still uh, does happen. There's not the information you're looking for on the internet. Yeah, it just doesn't exist because no one's asked it before. Or there's a whole bunch of misinformation from a whole bunch of. I'm going to offend some people, but get over it. Mm. Keyboard commandos. Uh, I will say we're in a unique position uh, working at Sounder Shop, and especially being here for so long. And, uh, you know, with my marketing experience and, and everything else, uh, getting to know a lot of the uh, people that work at manufacturers, you know, the CEOs, the engineers, all that kind of stuff is so helpful. Just being able to text, you know, Kevin Brittingham or whoever, and, you know, if you have some weird question and being able to get an answer, that's not something that hardly anyone can do. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, it's a great example, you know, finding someone at FN who designed the barrel on the scar and being able to talk to them and explain why in the world the sh- shoulder's so tiny on that little tiny pencil barrel, or knowing someone at a silencer company who's had a contract for a silencer that went on that military gun, and they've done the homework on it and being able to use them as a resource, and then kind of compiling all that and then turning into a somewhat successful, I'll call it, internet show. Yeah. Can you explain how we acquired the viewers that we have that are so clever in the naming of things pineapple side chick poutine daddies um no i can't (laughs) thanks for asking again i'll answer it i think it's the magic of the show yeah it's the beauty of the show i do know a little bit jump in and just say credit Mm -hmm. to mike for poutine daddies oh yeah sorry that wasn't a viewer that that was mike yeah jeez i'm sorry my apologies can you explain poutine daddies to me no okay (laughs) (laughs) i don't understand that one I don't know either. It's just one of those things. I do know a little bit about, uh, you know, podcasting and, and stuff like that. I've had read a couple of books in the past. And Obviously, one of the you things don't. You have been playing with your microphone. Oh, I'm sorry. Really not, and, Put uh, your headphones on. How are my levels, are, man? The levels are great. Am I too hot? Uh, no, you're okay. fine. See, you, I know the words. You're awfully hot to me, Mike. Oh, <laughs> What was I saying? Oh, yeah. One of the things I read years ago, which I think it was like Chris Hardwick um, from Nerdist Podcast. He used to have a big uh, podcast years ago. Actually, I think it still exists. But anyway. You know, he was saying one of the things is uh, go out there and, you know, be true to yourself and do the thing that you want to do. And the listeners will follow, you know, and if they don't, well, scrap it and try something else. What you don't want to do is, um, 
you know, bend to the will of it or your viewers or, or change what you're trying to do in order to appease certain people because then it's Chase no the longer. Clients. Yeah, exactly. Then, then it's no longer, uh, it's out of your hands and it's no longer something that you're going to want to do. And pod, podcasting and, and having TV show or whatever, you know, requires a lot of discipline, um, regular output and so on. And if you don't have any sort of motivation there, it's going to make it way harder and crappier for everyone involved. That, that was one of my takeaways I got from his book. So what was to come back on that, sorry. I would say maybe that's how we have such weird reviewers is because we've fostered that environment just weird by in being a great ourselves. way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Weird's yeah. a good word. Yeah. Weird is a great word. I would say way. too, um, the, the gun world and NFA even amongst that is a weird subculture, which I was kind of alert, alluding to earlier, but to explain and expand on that a little bit, it's not something you talk about at the water cooler at a regular nine to five business job. Like you don't, mm-hmm. most people, pardon me if this doesn't apply to you, but most people I would say go to work in the morning and they're in a cubicle and the guy standing next to them, they're talking about the baseball game or the Game of Thrones episode or whatever it is. They're not talking about, oh, did you see the new Dead Air Primal Silencer? Or did you see whatever this is? And Oh man, that 500 grain 50 mm-hmm. Beowulf is a monster. It'll rip anything apart. You don't talk about that at work. So there's this weird subculture on the internet where that almost lives exclusively. For a lot of people, they don't have anybody that they share that with mm-hmm. in public. Yeah. Um, and so most of that hobby lives in the social media or online, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. And I'll say even on top of just being a firearms enthusiast, being NF- in the NFA stuff is even a, a subset of that. You know, oh, yeah. So it's Big like uh, you mentioned baseball at the water cooler, but it's more inside baseball. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I hear that. I like that. Last question about Awkward Silence, and then we'll kind of wrap this thing up. Can that be the tagline of Awkward Silence? The inside baseball of the NFA world? (laughs) Uh, Yes. I think that'll do great for SEO purposes and clicks. Mm -hmm. Um, What was your least favorite episode? Episode number one. (laughs) (laughs) Tyler in the vault. It was so hot. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot how hot it was in the old vault. Yeah, the, the first handful are pretty rough. I'd say any ones where, where we've had massive technical issues are always a bummer. Um, I live for those. <laughs> yeah, well, at least we learned something. The weird one, the, the internet went out just like a month ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was my least favorite episode. Oh, that was my favorite. That was your favorite? Yeah. Really? It hit the fan. That's my element, Ramon. <laughs> I live for that. Good times. Yeah, I I'm, got on the phone with AT&T during the episode. Yeah. You remember that? Riveting stuff. Yeah. Ah, I live for it. Mm-hmm. We we pivoted pretty well, given the circumstances. And we made it work. Yeah. Again, it's not like we're not running a multi-million dollar fancy pants podcast here. I will maybe answer that question honestly by saying my f- least favorite aspect of the show is, um, and it's um, it's sort of a paradox because it's the point of the show is to answer questions for customers. Mm-hmm. But the paradox is we answer the same question over and over and over again. Yeah. And for the guys that tune in every two weeks um, that are constant viewers, they know our answers to 75% of the questions yeah. that come in. And I just, w- there's part of me that wishes we could branch out from that. And then there's another part of me that knows that that's kind of the point of the show. Yep. Is to answer those yep. questions over and over live. Yeah, that's been a difficult thing. Is how do, paradox yeah. how do you balance? How do you balance favorite aspect? Because you've got beginners, guys that don't know anything, and you've got advanced viewers. You know, so how do you appease both of them? And we try to do the best we can, but without having two separate shows, an advanced and an intermediate or beginner show, you know, it's just one of those things you have to constantly juggle. So I will say the Sweetie episode was my most hated show. <laughs> I hated, what? I hated it from the concept. The, sh- I, I the think, shameless grab for internet. Yes, point? yeah. <laughs> it did it work? In some realms, yes, it worked. It expanded mm-hmm. our viewership slightly, which was the goal. But now taking that, but you sold your soul. What's that? We you did. Soul, yeah. We did, and that's the but thing. That's I, the thing that I, didn't I acknowledged agree with. it from the beginning. That yeah, this was no. a shameless <laughs> grab for fake. And internet I get points. it. I understand. We we, to need, we need to grow, but it sucked the soul out of the show, and it just completely went against the the morals that i apply to the show i agree uh, but we did learn a lot from it and so i think form to table is also a great segment um and also keeping our our veteran viewers engaged in some form or fashion sure but yeah i'm not opposed to doing little fun things like that. oh yeah uh, that was maybe a little uh forced but right uh the main thing my main takeaway from that episode is 24 hour old cold mcdonald's 
has room for improvement. You know, we'll we'll work on our process of mm-hmm. getting hot food to you guys, but I can't guarantee anything. <laughs> All right, wrapping this up. Oh, good. This is a two-part question. What makes Silencer Shop so special, and where do you think Silencer Shop, or I just fudged that up, where will sh- Silencer Shop be in the next five years? What makes Silencer Shop so, spe- s- so special? So special. Yeah, yeah, yeah see, tongue too. twister. And the second one was what? Uh, where will Silencer Shop be in the next five years? Ooh. I don't know that I, I can answer number two <laughs> on camera. <laughs> Speaking of number two. Hey, oh. You may want to go home first. The Porta Johns here are infested. <laughs> Despite um, how much pesticide I spray in them. I heard. Yeah. So, what makes Silencer Shop so, so special? I'll say. Um, Almost got Mike. What makes Silencer Shop so special? I will say that the powers that be have, have developed a um, a group of fun-loving people um, and also a culture of, of uh, innovation and open-door policy. I, I know that, that sounds kind of like a corporate answer, but it, it really is true. I mean, the fact that uh, you know our CEO sits you know, just a few cubes over away from me and I can come to him with any dumb issue and and uh, you know he'll always listen to reason you know sometimes he he'll be opinionated he'll about certain things. always listen to reason. Sure but I mean if you show him the data and this is this and this you know it's it's easy to change his mind yeah, you know sure. but and, unless you have that proof he's gonna stick to his guns but you know I mean so there's definitely that aspect I will say that um, some of the heart I would say it's probably the the most fun job I've had in terms of being able to do so many different things and, and having my hands in, in so many different areas and um, and just laughing so much like I've, I've never laughed at a job so much than I have at Silencer Shop um, you know just everybody's friends and everybody gets along is that why you've been here so long uh, yeah I'd say it's a it's a big part of it yeah you know because coming from um, working from large companies which I used to do in the past it's just the bureaucracy and the the soullessness of it is is uh, it's crushing, you know, and then to come to a smaller company where just everybody's having fun and you can be yourself and you don't have to worry about, you know, every dumb thing all the time. Um, it's a breath of fresh air. Tyler, what makes Sonser Shop so special? Yeah, the kitschy answer to that, which is true, is the people. Um, from the owner down to uh, the guy that cleans the floors on Saturday. Shout out to Ken. Um, but I think that's actually, that's, the people that stay at Silencer Shop are born from a mentality that exists, specifically in Dave, but he breeds that in other people or he attracts other people that share it. Is this, um, what do you mean I can't do that? Or someone says that's impossible and you say, oh, hang on, how can we make that work? Um, that That's a driving force in the software that built this company, which, let's be honest, the software runs this company it wouldn't exist without it i mean it's all written in house and it's all born from hang on you're doing that on pen and paper why in the world would you do it that way Mm -hmm. what do you mean it's impossible to do this via code on a computer it's not impossible it's just really stinking hard let's figure out a way to make it work um it's the same thing that happened 41f is a fantastic real world example of this the industry as a whole the nfa industry was this is the end We'll never sell silencers. We'll never sh- sell short barrel rifles, short barrel shotguns again. Wrap it up. Enjoy these sales leading into June of 2016, and then it'll all be done. And we're over here at Silencer Shop like, hang on a minute. In a strange, weird, roundabout way, this is possibly the best thing that could have happened mm-hmm. to this industry. It allowed us to apply technology to the process in a way that was impossible before. And I realize that's not a super popular opinion. But there's a grain of truth in there. Um, and to me, that's the special part of Silencer Shop is this mentality. Don't tell me I can't do that. I'll show you. You know what I mean? I do. Was that too cheesy of an answer? Yes. Okay. It's too emotional. Good. That's what I was going for. Um, okay. Last question. Will we be in this new location in the next five years? <laughs> in the location in which we are currently sitting. I will still be here in five years. I'm here every day. <laughs> will it be operational? Yeah. We'll be in here at some capacity, my hope is, before the end of the year. All right. If we're not, we're in trouble. And I wish I could tell you uh, where we'll be in five years, but 
there's a lot of big things coming down the pipe and uh, I mean that's really all I can say about that I am continually excited by the opportunities that this company has in this industry mm-hmm. I will say that yeah there's a whole bunch of stuff that we work on behind the scenes that we can't talk about and frankly we shouldn't um, for a number of reasons and when those come out I can explain to you why we shouldn't have talked about them but um, there's a whole bunch of really exciting stuff we have either planned or contingency plans for or yeah the amount of times I've been blindsided by just out of left field ideas in this company is just you know innumerable yeah I'm excited cool any last words thanks for Ramon you're welcome Tyler you look good in them shorts today you look good in them Crocs thanks <laughs> Hey, show feet. No, I'm kidding. Don't. <laughs> All right. And that's it. Signing up. Hand hug. Oh, oh, Tyler. Well. Wrong one. Come on. This is weird. Could you have made that any more awkward? Yeah. There's two kinds of minimalists, right? There's the kind, there's the people that are poor that can't afford anything else and they try to pass it off like it's on purpose. And there's also rich people that can afford to actually just buy any service at any time that they need to do mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in between. And then there's the minimalist like Elon Musk who sold all of his houses because mm-hmm. he didn't want to pay property tax anymore. But he's, he's playing it off like it's minimalist and it's just, it's marketing. Right. Yeah. His goal is to save more money. I'll give you that. Just like Geico. I wonder Just if like he's Geico. a Little Dicky fan. What'd what? you say? Little Dicky? No? Save that money? Ramon. Okay. Sweetie and Little Dicky. <laughs> Man, I am out of it. You are. No idea what you're talking about. Uh, so I will say that it's nice not having lav mics because I can cough. Yeah. Can we do mics on uh, Awkward Silence? You sure can. I kind of actually like this a lot more than laughs. Okay. We can also do like like train noises and stuff like ding 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 ding. Oh. <laughs> or you can we could do left, <laughs> right, left. Yeah, you know we do stereo. Exactly. Stereo is what they call left, right, left. <laughs> is it a little audio file joke for you? <laughs> audio files out there. Where were you before you started working at Silencer Shop? Oh, we're just jumping right in. Oh yeah, no intro or no. It's just no cold no, that, open. That happens in no before small times. talk. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah.